0: Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. It is so good to be here. Last week uh, was exciting. It was a great time. Uh, we celebrated the resurrection and I'm I'm excited along with uh, with the rest of the, the team that was here for pre-service prayer and meeting that, uh, that you came back because uh, God's not done yet. He's got more to do. He's excited about uh, what we are doing and the way that we're continuing to move forward in that. And so this week we're excited to step into a new series and all the things that go along with that. But before we do that, I have some announcements I do want to share. Uh, first, let me just say Welcome, uh, as uh, as the as the pastor, my name is Steve Warner, and I I'm, I'm blessed to serve here as the lead pastor. At the same time, if you're joining us maybe for the first time or you've come a few times but haven't got connected, we encourage you to fill out one of the connection cards in the seat in front of you and to take it to the information center. We've got a gift for you today, and we also want to make a a, a donation of ten dollars in your name to our community project or partner for the month, which this month is the Ministry of Kairos, which is a prison ministry uh, that we partner with, and what we attempt to try to do is come alongside them and support in several different ways. If you look at your bulletin, you'll find those... I don't know what's happening, but we're going to keep going. Uh, if you look at your bulletin, you're going to find those. Uh, within the context of, of the bulletin, we have announcements week to week. Uh, the second one there, or the third one down, is about Kairos prison ministry. Uh, and this year, they're asking for a few things of us. One, they're still asking for cookies, which uh, I can tell you right now is a, is a blessing to anybody that hasn't had a homemade cookie for a while. Uh, the second thing is prayer, which has always been a mainstay for this. and They, they do an, a great job of demonstrating to those inmates that will be there uh, the opportunity to be able to, to see who's praying for them by having you fill out your name on a prayer chain and then they may, or a piece of paper and they make a prayer chain out of that and they can take that into the prison and show uh, those that participate in this event who and how many are praying for them. And then the last thing, which is a new thing this time, they're, they're asking for meal tickets, which is an opportunity for us to financially support specific individuals. And a meal ticket I believe is $5. It doesn't say it here, but uh, what that does is it's the uh, support for any individual who's taking part in this to have the meals while they're there. And so we encourage you, if you haven't already, to stop by the booth or their area out there, uh, the display out there in the Next Steps area, and uh, just to, um, to ask them about their ministry, to figure out how you can get involved, and to see exactly what that all is about. And so we encourage you to do so. The second thing I want to mention is this. This is a big one, especially for this service. On April 30th, we are facilitating our second uh, Family Fifth Sunday on the fifth Sunday of the month, with our family dinner. So what this is gonna look like this. Anytime we have a fifth Sunday of the month, we're gonna have one service and it'll be at ten thirty, okay? So that's the first thing. So you can all grumble. Oh, I can't believe that you're gonna make me get up later. I don't know what the excuse would be. Um, but in any event, we'll have one service. It'll be at 1030. It'll be in this room, obviously. But, and, but the other thing is there will no there'll be no kids ministry because we're going to have worship together, family worship, everybody in here. And so if you've got infants, there'll still be infant nursery. But other than that, everybody will be in here. And one thing I will say, and I think I said this last time, is make sure you get here early, uh, as early as you can, because uh, if you don't, whoever sits in your seat at the 1030 service might take your seat, just so you know. So in any event, we'll have to be flexible that week as well. But we're excited about this. Uh, a couple of things to note about that week. One is we'll be bringing in new members during the service. We're excited about that. We've got at least a dozen already. And so that couple with the 17 or 19, I think it was, from the fall is a great amount of people that are just joining the church, taking that step forward. And we're excited about that. And then we'll have the dinner afterwards. It'll be in this room. Uh, there's, there, it's, a, it's a free event, but what we do ask is that you do register for that. So you can do so on the QR code in the seat in front of you, or there's a, a um, a table in the lobby, you can stop and sign up as well. And during that, we're going to have a baptism. And so, if you have not been baptized before, or perhaps you want to know more about that, I would love to meet with you, talk with you about that, answer questions you might have. We've got a few individuals already who are signed up and ready to go, but there is still certainly more room uh, for anybody else who would like to do so. And so, we would love for you to participate in that baptism service as well. Uh, one other thing I do want to note is on the inside. Uh, the, the first page of the inside cover, d- down near the bottom, there's a, 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 a kind of a new thing we put in there. It's Rally for the Roof Total Giving to Date. If you remember several weeks ago, we challenged the church to, to, to step in and uh, to get behind this project. You might have already noticed that most of the roof is up. And with that rainstorm that we had, uh, just that thing that kind of blew through here, it was nice to have an actual roof and not just uh, some raw wood up there. So that being said, um, it's getting done. But at the same time, we're still asking for any of you who would like to jump on board. Uh, the total is there right now. The, the total to date is $27,465. Um, but certainly we would love for anybody else who would like to step in as they feel God leading them to do so to give directly towards this project. And then I'll make one note in that gray box that uh, we, we took the Easter break. Kids and youth, Club 56 and uh, CC groups will all be back tonight. And so we look forward to seeing you uh, tonight at 6 o'clock as well. Well, I didn't plan on doing that part of it. Um, somebody else was was scheduled but uh, uh, to do the, the announcements, and so I hope I did them justice today. But in any event, um, I do want to do this other thing that I do sometimes on Sunday mornings, preach. Are we okay with that? If we jump into that, just switch hats here and we'll get going, right? I... I um, I'm really excited about uh, this series that we have that we're stepping into, particularly on kind of the heels of Easter and then moving into a season of spring, a season of new birth, a season of freshness, and you see flowers blooming, things are greening up, and it's just a time of, uh, I I would say, just life in in our midst. When I was younger, I used to hear this word revival. And I heard the word revival, what I usually recognized it as would be a a week or even a weekend or a few days where a special speaker would come in and they would have, uh, you know, there'd be a musical group that would come and they would do musical worship and then they would have the speakers preach a little bit and they would do that a few nights in a row and there would be responses and this would be considered a revival or revival services. And as I got older, I recognized that the the revival services, in some ways, and you might notice this as, as well, uh, the revival services, in some ways, became less about, um, and I don't know about in, in this church the history here, but in my church at least, became less about bringing new people and people coming to to experience Christ, and more about the same few people that would put it in their schedule to come over and over again. And so there wasn't a lot of reviving taking place. It was more or less just another opportunity for people to gather outside of their regular service. As we look specifically at revival, I want us to have a different picture of what revival might be. You might have a different picture already than what I just shared in your mind. maybe for you as a formative experience, and I have been part of revivals that have been. But certainly revival in our own current context might look a little bit different than what we typically would understand. If you look at your note guide, you'll notice that there are some specific questions there on the back, and then there are some uh, subsequent responses to each one. I will make a note now. All the blanks are filled in for you this week. We did the work for you already. Um, That was uh, somewhat intentional, I guess, is the way that we'll put that. But what I will say is there is plenty of space there for additional notes. So if you would like to write something down, the Spirit says to you, as always, I encourage you to do so. But the first question there is, what is revival? This is a big question, but I'm going to attempt to try kind of give just a, a 10,000 foot view. The, 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 the response to what is revival is not specifically a service. It's not specifically when a, a revivalist comes in or evangelist comes in, but it's much bigger than that. Revival refers to a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. Revival is something where, where, where we are reawakened. Revival encompasses the resurfacing, the reappearance, uh, so to speak, uh, of a God who's been there all Along, but we may have put him on the back burner, may have put him in a box, may have said that, that God, you are, you are welcome to be here as long as it's on my terms. But it's a resurfacing of the, the love of God, an appreciation for God's holiness, a, a passion for his, his word and for his church, a, a conviction of, of awareness for the personal and corporate sins that are among us. Maybe revival also encompasses a, a spirit of humility, a desire for repentance or growth in righteousness. I could say this, revival in and of itself invigorates and sometimes deepens a believer's faith. And you know, when we look at revival in general, it's part of our spiritual formation. It a, a generally uh, involves a connotation of a fresh start. And in essence, this, this last one is maybe uh, the most striking. Revival breaks the charm and power of the world, which often blinds the eyes of men and women and focuses them or refocuses them on the heart of God. When we look at this series, specifically, we're going to explore revival. As believers, we might see revival happening elsewhere, and we think, you know what? what, what do we need to do? What programs do we need to set up? What services do we need to have to set God up so he can work? Sometimes we might see revival elsewhere, and we think, why isn't that happening here in my, in my context, in my midst? We come up with reasons and typically all pointing towards something uh, that's outside of our control, assigning blame elsewhere. In essence, the reality is this. Revival starts with heart. In fact, I'll say this. Revival in your life starts in your heart. And the series bottom line for the entire series is this. Revival starts here. If you and I are going to experience revival, it's not going to be because of a program that takes place outside of it. It's not going to be because of some other thing. Instead, it's going to be because of God getting hold of our heart and us allowing him to to have his way, to say in our life, in our light song, the same thing that we just sang in that last short little song, which is this, I surrender all. And if we're not willing to surrender all, then God can't do a full, encompassing, overarching, resurfacing work within us because we have been hesitant to His leading. And there are a lot of things that go into this, and we'll talk about those as the week goes on, or as the weeks go on, I should say. But as we look at this specifically, in this series, we're going to recognize that God has been at work, and He's still at work, and He has more work to do. But the thing that He wants most of us, of each individual, is our heart. As we walk through this series, each week we're going to explore specific revivals, so to speak, from Scripture. We're going to look at different individuals and different specific situations where God moved in a powerful and a mighty way. And one of the things that we're going to embrace is why did those things happen? We're going to answer some of the questions of what led up to revival. What were the reasons that this revival was even necessary? What were the specific attributes that were required of the individuals involved that brought forth the revival? And then the greatest part, the most fun part of all, what was the result of the revival what changed what did God do and let me just tell you when we hear testimony of other people we hear about different things that happen in a couple weeks when we hear individuals come up and get baptized we're going to hear about their testimony one of the amazing things about that is we can celebrate the work of God because he's not done yet And when he gets hold of our heart in a very real and intentional and all-encompassing way, revival happens. Revival takes place. Revival changes us. One more note I want to mention before we get into this whole thing, and that is this. Oftentimes, we wonder about, God, I'm doing the right things. I'm saying the right things. Why are you not moving? I will just say this as, as just a, an outward thing, just and an, an, an one more, maybe comfort in some ways, God works in his own time. It's in God's will and in God's way. And so sometimes we may make all the right decisions. We may say yes to God. We may be fully surrendered. And then we don't see things happen. We don't experience things happening around us. I just want to comfort you and encourage you God works in his own time. Our job, our responsibility, and even our blessing is to be obedient to God's call on our life. And I can just say this, and this is maybe a blessing just as much. He'll take it from there. He asks for us to step in and do what he calls us to do, and then we can recognize he's got this. Jumping all the way back to the Old Testament, we see specifically uh, several different covenants that God makes with individuals, and certainly as he embraces some of these covenants, he does so with recognition of love and a a recognition of the fact that he has greater plans and greater needs and greater things that he wants to do in the hearts and minds of people. We're going to read today about uh, an individual from the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis actually, named Jacob. Jacob has a great history, Jacob has a great testimony, but at the same time Jacob was not always perfect. Jacob didn't have it all together all the time and sometimes he even lost control of himself and his own family. And I'll just say this, I think sometimes what takes place is we elevate people within scripture to say, okay, they're almost larger than life or or they're greater than human, they've got everything figured out. Can I just say Jacob was a human being just like you and I. He had free will. He had opportunity to be able to make choices. And therefore, within this context, we can recognize that Jacob is relatable. He's not just some figure out there that had it all together, but he is relatable for us today. And so as we walk through this specifically, may we recognize Jacob and who he is. Genesis chapter 35, I'm going to read 15 verses, and then we're going to talk just about those specifically as we answer the questions about revival. Verse 35, or chapter 35, verse 1 reads like this. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who's, excuse me, who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears and, the, and then Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then he set out and the terror of God fell on the towns around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came from to Lutz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan, and there he built an altar, and he called the place El. Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak tree, under the oak outside Bethel, so it is named Alan B- Buckoff. <clears throat> After Jacob returned from Paddan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. And so he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac <clears throat> to Abram and Isaac I also give to you and I will give this land to your descendants after you. And then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him and he poured out a drink offering on it and he also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. As we read this, we recognize Jacob in a lot of ways is going through a process of spiritual formation. He's experiencing a reminder of who God is. He's experiencing this moment of where God says, do you remember this covenant I had with you? And in that moment, he realizes the error of his ways, that the idolatry that had encompassed his family and his life. He gives those things back. He follows God once again. God renews that covenant with him. And then he once again establishes God's goodness and the the moment to which God experienced or he experienced his time with God at Bethel. God made a covenant with Abram. This was Jacob's grandfather. And his covenant was passed down to Isaac and then to Jacob. And Jacob made a vow to affirm it. And that's in Genesis chapter 28. And then after 20 years, after 20 years, nothing happened. It's like, God, what's going on? This covenant that you've given me, I'm not seeing anything come to fruition. And and so eventually, Jacob returned to to Canaan upon God's direction. As he did so, though, he he secretly attempted to try to leave because he didn't want Laban to be upset with him. And meanwhile, Rachel, Jacob's wife, stole and, and brought all of the idols of her father with her secretly to this new land. And so as they're leaving, she's taking with her these idols. And eventually Laban, he finds out that Jacob left. He chases him down and and they make a covenant together. And then they go through this process of of recognizing and reconciling with others. One of them being Esau, which is a a very peculiar story about how Jacob was so scared of his brother. And he gets there and God had already softened his heart through uh, the prayers that he had. And therefore their reconciliation took place. And then one of the the greatest, uh, um, I would say, um, one of the, the, the greatest sports ever was introduced into uh, existence as Jacob wrestled with God, right? And uh, I, I can tell you a spoiler alert on who you think won that specifically. Uh, but I just tell you that, that he had this whole experience where he's walking through all these things. And then a spark comes when we see this revival take place. For Jacob's family was wronged, his, his daughter Dinah was attacked, and his sons came and they killed many people as a result uh, to try to avenge their sister's attacker, or it's their sister's attack, I should say. But the response to that brought forth a, a festering, in a lot of ways, of the vow that Jacob had with God subsiding. See, the Lord would would certainly be his God. He did say that, but at this time, he was allowing the worship of the, the idols that were brought along by his wife to become the mainstay, to become the recognition, to become the normal thing in their family. And these pagan rituals became their strategy, became their God's. I heard a story once, and I'm going to share it now, about the stranger being introduced into the family, and it reads like this. A few months before I was born, my dad met a stranger who was new to our small Tennessee town. From the beginning, dad was fascinated with his enchanting newcomer and soon invited him to live with our family. The stranger was quickly accepted and was around to welcome me into the world a few months later. As I grew up, I never questioned his place in our family. Mom taught me to love the word of God and Dad taught me to obey it, but the stranger was a storyteller. He could weave the most fascinating tales, adventures, mysteries, and comedies were daily conversations. He he could hold our whole family spellbound for hours each evening. He was like a friend to the whole family. He took dad, Bill, and me and the other first major, to our first major league baseball game. He was always encouraging to see us, uh, to, to, to help us see movies and to make arrangements to introduce us to several movie stars. The stranger was, was an incessant talker. Dad didn't seem to mind, but sometimes mom would quietly get up while the rest of us were enthralled with one of the stories of the faraway places and go to her room to read her Bible and to pray. I wonder now if she ever prayed that the stranger would leave. You see, my dad ruled our household with certain moral convictions, but this stranger never felt obliged to honor them. Profanity, for example, was not allowed in our house, not from us, from our friends or adults, or our longtime visitor, however, used occasionally four-letter words and burned my ears and made dad squirm. To my knowledge, the stranger was never confronted. My dad was a, a... he was never permitted alcohol in the home, not even for cooking. But the stranger felt he needed exposure and enlightened us to others, other ways. He offered us beer and other alcoholic beverages often. He made cigarettes look tasty, cigars manly, and pipes distinguished. He talked freely, too much too freely, about sex. His comments were sometimes blatant, sometimes suggestive, and generally embarrassing. I know that my near, that now that my early concepts of man and woman relationships were influenced by the stranger. As I look back, I believe it was the grace of God that, that the stranger did not influence us more. Time after time, he opposed the values of my parents, yet he was seldom rebuked and never asked to leave. More than 30 years have passed since the stranger moved into my young, into my family on Morningfield, into my young family's home on Morningfield Drive. But if I were to walk into my parents' den today, you would still see him sitting over there in the corner waiting for someone to listen, to talk to him, to allow him to talk, to watch him and his moving pictures, to hear his name. It was TV. You know, I I, I bring up this example with the recognition that perhaps for some of us, TV played this part. Perhaps for some of us, even now, there are apps on our phone, or there are, you know, there, there's maybe apps that we watch. There's different things within the context of technology, but there's many others that bring forth the opportunity for us to welcome things that are contrary to what we believe into our home. And here in in, in parallel form, Jacob has welcomed these things that were contrary to what they believed, what they understood, and who God was into their home. And at a certain point, it became something where it wasn't just something they welcomed and allowed, but it was something that caused them to worship. And the worship that they have was for things that were other than God. And certainly in our world, we recognize that things kind of creep in. Satan doesn't just show up and say, hey, here's an ax, go be an ax murderer, right? Instead, he comes in and he brings little subtle things into our attention or under our attention, under our purview. And he influences us in ways of the world. He starts to to bring us into a place where we start to look like the world and then eventually allows us to bring this opportunity so that we are clouded in all ways of who God is so that we might reflect upon and see the world first and foremost. What's striking about Jacob's story is that he had this vow that he made with God. And in this place where he was alone, specifically with God, he had this moment, this dream. After Jacob's dream in, in, in Genesis chapter 28, there's a response, this vow. It says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and, I will watch, and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to, to eat and clothes to wear so that I may uh, return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone, which he had a stone that he was using as a pillow, which doesn't make much sense to me. Maybe it does to you. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all you give me, I will give you a tenth. And so the vow had this reflection that while he made this vow that God would be his God and God would provide for him, there was this response in turn where he would be the one that would be worshiped. But Jacob had slipped back. He had done his own thing. And here in, in, in fashion, the first point specifically, God created something special. He created this covenant. And in this specific case, for us, he created for humankind a, a gift. A, 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 uh, a, a really, in all essence, he gave us the one true gift that we cannot earn on our own. And Jacob and still metaphorically and at the same time symbolically, just like us, dishonored this gift. As we describe the covenant of Jacob, we recognize that everything was perfect, and then Jacob made the action to step away from God. And in this world, we recognize that God created the world perfect, but humankind made the decision to step away from God's goodness. And if we're going to experience revival in our midst, we must first recognize what God has done for us in our midst. His nature, his high call, the gift that he's granted for each one of us, and recognize specifically that through our action, in In this world and maybe even in your own life, we have stepped away, we have tarnished, we have thrown away this gift, we have dishonored God, and therefore note that God created something special and humankind dishonored this gift, so we must recognize the error of our ways. So what's required of Jacob is also simply what's required of us in some ways. Jacob's stone, this reminder, this call to worship. God does this this required thing that that, that, uh, certainly was a promise they made together. And I'll encourage you to read uh, the the earlier part of of Genesis chapter 28 to get the the rest of the story there. But there's this whole process of of covenant and this whole process of coming together in that moment. And jumping back to verse 1 in chapter 35, it says, Then God said to Jacob, he gave this commandment man, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. And so go and build. God spoke to Jacob, go and build. And Jacob knew what was about to happen. He recognized that he had made this vow 30 years ago and he was about to come back and say, God, I'm sorry I haven't been faithful to you. I haven't kept my part of the promise. You know, I said the sinner's prayer a long time ago, and then I went about doing my own thing. And having experienced God's manifest presence at Bethel, Jacob knew the location. He knew this holy place, and so he went back there taking his family. But prior to doing so, there needed to be some preparation. Because as soon as As soon as Jacob saw God again in his glory, he recognized. Because it's easy to kind of just fall into sin when we don't allow God to to shine in our life. But as soon as that light shined on him or shone on him, he recognized the error of his ways. He recognized the, the things that were happening in his life because God illuminates sin in our life if we allow him to do so. He brings forth conviction through the Spirit for us to be able to recognize here are some places or here's something that I'm keeping from God. And so God shone on him. And the preparation needed to come. In verse 2 and 3, it reads like this. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Have this ceremonial washing. Purify yourselves. Purify your bodies. At the same time, within that context, not just purify, but change your clothes because the clothes you've been wearing are dirty. And at the same time, the clothes you've been wearing have been being used for idol worship. And then as the verse goes on, as the the passage goes on, it says, Then come, let us go to Bethel, where I build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. And then comes the action. This is one of my favorite parts, certainly my favorite part of this passage, my favorite parts of of this specific revival, and that is this. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had not some not just the ones they weren't using anymore not the ones they're like okay i can part with this but they gave him all of their gods and jacob uh, all their gods and they in their in their rings in their ears which this is this is formative too because certainly at that time there was two things that could have been recognized first of all with the earrings in their ears it could have been a situation where there was an actual uh, an actual idol or an actual god that required their slavery here's the, the the note in that time if you were a slave of a master and eventually you were able to gain your freedom in some way whether you bought it or it was granted to you but you still had a friend or a loved one or even a spouse that was still a slave, what you could do is continue to be a servant. And in, as a servant, what they would do is they would actually take an awl and they would punch an earring or they would punch a wooden stake through your ear as if to say you are still, while you're not owned, you are still, uh, you, you are still a servant of this master. And so what they were doing at that time, symbolically or quite literally, is they were removing these earrings saying, we were slaves to another master. We were recognizing that we were not slaves to God. We were giving these earrings back and we were saying, God, we want to be your children once again. And this isn't a knock on jewelry. Instead, this is a recognition of idolatry because they didn't have to give up their rings or their bracelets instead it was just the earrings because the earrings represented their falsehood it represented their wrong direction it represented idolatry so they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had the rings in their ears and Jacob burned them under the oak buried them under the oak at Shechem you know i i, I don't know about you but certainly in this context we see that Jacob's understands he takes the reins and he gives everything back but we also recognize that it's all and the representation of everything and so the the core the key is this spiritual preparation as we come to the foot of the cross as we say God I want you to take all that I am to receive my heart I want to be at the heart of your will the reality is that spiritual preparation is an act of full surrender Every bit of us, every piece of us, everything that we are must be surrendered before the king. The good, the bad, the ugly, all that we are needs to be taken, given to God, buried and eliminated from our lives. And then comes the... the. the the most exciting part of the entire revival, as they come into the presence of God, what is the result? God's protection, it, it, it comes back. God's protection over Jacob is there and certainly God's keeping his end of the bargain and God's ways are, are better than our ways and the, and the power that he grants and, and gives in this specific instance is, is such an encouragement. But the result is is that Jacob obeyed God and the covenant that God made with Abraham was again renewed with Jacob. Prior to Jacob's Death, he transfers the covenant God made with Abraham to his son Joseph, to Ephraim, and to Manasseh. And this act of of. of is perpetuated beyond just the individuals of that time, just the people of God at that time, just Jacob and his family. And it goes from, from there to, uh, to the next step. In Acts chapter 3, verse 25, it reads like this, you are the children of those prophets and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. And so as we kind of reflect upon it, we start to, it starts to be unveiled, the, the, the reality of this actual covenant. We jump down to Romans chapter 9, verse 8, and it says, you are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant of God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all families on earth will be blessed. Romans eleven seventeen. But those, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel, have been broken off, and you Gentiles, who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised. I mean, this is exciting. I hope that you're excited. Abraham and his children sharing in rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. And then Galatians 3.29, and now that you belong to Christ, what is the result of this revival? Now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And so the turning of idolatry back to God brought forth not just a regeneration, a new life, a revival in that time, but it brought revival that has an impact even into this moment that we experience right now as followers of Jesus. His revival is is Christ manifest in you. It's the spirit living in your life so that we might experience him afresh and anew. Jacob's revival still can be felt today in our experience in this moment, in this place. Jacob's revival, the point is Jacob's revival has afforded our opportunity to experience Christ today. And I recognize too, just like probably you do, that there's no specific easy template for this kind of thing. It's not like, okay, here's how it all works and it's all perfect in this, in this way. Because if you look at Jacob, you might say, well, yeah, like I said earlier, he's larger than life. Of course, he's got it figured out. And God used him. And they wrote a whole bunch of stuff about him in the Bible. And I'm just a regular person. Can I just tell you, God works. He moves. He brings real life change through, quote, regular people. We're all regular people to some extent, right? Right? with an extraordinary God. And here's what I want to just do right now is, is give you an opportunity to hear from a, quote, regular person. Somebody that I, uh, I look up to and, I, and their experience with Christ is one of full surrender. And so I'm going to ask if Todd Wood will come now and you give your, uh, show your appreciation and a warm welcome to him as he comes. He's going to come and share his testimony about full surrender.
1: well good morning everyone so this is the story of how I came to Christ kicking and screaming the whole time Um, I was a popular high school football player enjoyed lots of attention hung out with the jocks but I also hung out with the partiers and I would play football on Friday night Saturday night I would hang out with the bad crowd and uh, just kind of enjoyed the attention that I got from both sides uh, my mom did her best to get me to church, but I was a heathen, and it didn't sink in at all. Uh, the pastor told me I was going to hell, but I had to do certain things to go to heaven, and I didn't want to have anything to do with that. Um, football was my addiction. I put myself fully into lifting weights, training, which made me bigger, stronger, faster, and eventually led me to going to Otterbein College, where I thought I would have a successful football career. Um, after a neck and knee injury in my freshman year, I was given the option of continuing to play football, or walking. I thought it was pretty important to continue walking and thus my football career was over. I transferred to OU, which looking back was probably the biggest mistake I could ever make, but I had tons of freedom and no supervision. So I chose uh, drugs and alcohol to fill the spot where the football had been and teamed that up with an addictive personality. It was a recipe for disaster. I quickly became a full blown addict as drugs and alcohol were now the main focus that brought back that attention I was sorely craving. The bad part was my body was in such good physical shape that I could ingest huge amounts of drugs and alcohol and still function at an acceptable level. That summer I was a passenger in a car where both the driver and myself were under the influence. A foggy night, a misturn, the next thing I know we had hit a cement abutment and were upside down in a creek. I had hit the windshield directly with my face with no seat belt or airbag. I do remember wake, waking up in the hospital and the doctor saying, I've got good news and bad news. good news is you're going to need 12 stitches in your face, but it'll be in your eyebrows so it won't be noticeable. And I said, well, what's the bad news? And he said, well, we can't figure out where your nose is at. <laughs> As I had hit the windshield, it had taken my nose and moved all everything over to my cheek. So." You would think after reconstruction and healing that that maybe I would step away from the drugs and alcohol, but I returned to school that fall and partying was an everyday event and even celebrated. So I went back into that same behavior. I doubled down on my behavior, now turning to harder drugs such as cocaine, heroin, and any pill I could get my hands on. Uh, This went on until a chance meeting. that with what would become my wife of 34 years happened, which was definitely God putting someone in my life to bring me back to my senses. My parting lifestyle was totally out of control and I was having blackouts and lost time incidents, once ingesting enough cocaine to almost have a heart attack and then waking up three days later wondering what day it was and where I was at. With Lee in my corner, and even though I didn't believe it, God with me, I started the process of detoxing, which was physically and mentally one of the hardest things I had ever done. I graduated, got married, started my retail career. Enter addictive personality again, and I now pursued success and adulation through my accomplishments as a retail manager. Little did I know the awards and plaques on the wall were my identity, and I chased after them as hard as I could. I came back to Athens in 1999 and continued my retail career at a bookstore uptown, but this time Lee had been working on me to come to church and read my Bible. I would do this, but didn't see much reason for coming to church. I had it all figured out until that day I received the call that they were laying most of my management staff off, and I would be up to me and a small staff to run a large bookstore. I can remember it like I was like it was yesterday. I got down on my knees. I prayed to God. I said, I said, I surrender. I can't do this anymore. Um, Please help me. I've, I've been fighting you for so long. I can't do it any longer. A clear voice said to me, it was God. He said, leave the bookstore, put your trust in me, I've got you. At that point I knew my running was over and that I could trust him. I picked up my Bible and the first verse that jumped out to me was Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Today, as we all do, I struggle with things of this world, but my eyes are firmly focused on Jesus. He is with me every step of the way, guiding, encouraging, loving me, and showing me the way to heaven. To take a phrase from the popular TV show, The Chosen, I think that sums up my life. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Thank you. Thank you.
0: this morning we're gonna we're gonna close with a song we're gonna close with a response and certainly you know on the heels of that testimony i'm sure that if any of us were given the opportunity to kind of talk through where we're at and where we've been uh, it is not uh, there's not a cookie cutter response the only attributes that are necessary is to recognize that when we finally say i surrender god moves and so this morning, I don't know how you're in here today. I don't know what your, your thoughts are. I don't know why you even chose to come to the service today. But what I do know is that God is not done with you yet. And whether it be large or be small, maybe today is the day where you say, you know what, God, you've been chasing after me for a long time. You've been attempting to try to, 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 to bring forth opportunity for me to experience real peace or, or, or to, to be able to stop running and stop being so exhausted. Today is the day that I give my life to you. Or maybe something you've been holding on to. Maybe it's a a grudge or pride or or a frustration. Maybe you're mad at God because he took that loved one away. Or maybe it's it's because you got passed up on a promotion or whatever it might be. God, your plans didn't work out. But God wants all of you. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. And as we move into this time of song, I want to encourage you. If this morning in this place, if you... If you're, if you're in any way experiencing a call of the spirit to say, here's a place in your life. Here's a thing in your life. Here's a relationship in your life that you've not given to me. I want to encourage you to answer the question to first explore yourself. What do I need to surrender? And then answer the question today, will I? And if your answer is yes today, I want to encourage you to come as we sing and kneel at an altar up here. And basically, just as Jacob and his family did, take that item, take that thing, take whatever that thing is that you've not given to God and just bury it here at the altar. Bury it here at, this, at these oak altars and say, God, this, this is yours. This is not mine. Take this. I want to be filled with you. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then I want us to just respond as the Spirit is led. I I, I want us to have the opportunity in this moment together as the body to surrender all. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the way that you deliver. God, I thank you for Todd's testimony and the way that you allowed him, Father, even to walk through those things, but then to come into your presence because you are a God of second chance, third chance, fourth chance. You are a God that is there, that loves us, that embraces us, that gives us real grace and mercy. And God, I pray that each person here today would recognize that that is possible, that that gift is available, that each one of us could experience you today if we would just let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to. And so God, I pray that this moment, this time, that we wouldn't pass up the opportunity, but we would surrender all to you. Thank you, God, for giving all to us. May we do the same in return. In your son's name we pray. Amen. thank you again for spending time with us today thank you especially to those of you who give to ccwc it is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible also if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about ccwc feel free to contact our office check the web or follow us on our social media platforms if you enjoyed today's podcast we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.